Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have Ricky Roberts III, who if you are from St. Pete or the St. Pete area, uh, there's a good chance you've seen him on social media. He is a I'm going to probably get a lot of this wrong and you can correct me, but he's somewhat of a motivational speaker. He's a skateboarding uh, enthusiast. He's uh, written a number of books. I just read his most, is this your most recent book? Yeah, Thank you, skateboard. Yeah, that's number eight. I mean, you've written quite a few. I was looking, I was looking at the end here. This is what book number six or seven. Uh, that's eight actually. Wow. Yeah. So uh, starting in 2004, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. Thank um, you. I was, Trying to reflect back, and I was talking to you just before you got on the show about how I became, uh, how I knew about you. And I think it was Harold McCaslin, who I grew up with over in St. Pete. Said, Did you really? Yeah. We went to high school together and played football together. And Dude, we had to have uh, met or at least skated together or something because in, I knew Harold mostly in, or I met him in middle school at Riviera. Okay. And skateboarded with him and, Rob Croft, uh, Rob Palo, all Rob those Palo. guys. I yeah, Rob Palo yeah. Too. So then, I they went to Northeast. I went to Bogey and then Gibbs. So I kind of like you know we. My dad taught at Bogey, but I think he probably would have been done at Bogey before you were there. Okay, he taught biology. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, so I went to St. Behind my first two years, uh, and my parents were school teachers, so. If you know anything about school teachers, especially in the late 80s, early 90s, their, their combined income was like maybe 20 grand or something right, like that. Right. So, uh, St. Pete was somewhat of a uh, culture shock for me because it was all the Snell Isle and Shore Acres and kind of the, the wealthy kids. And, you know, I felt like a fish out of water there when I was there. And my dad at that point was teaching at Northeast. And uh, because he taught there, even though I wasn't zoned for there, I was able to transfer over. And nice. I hit. I felt like I fit in a lot better at Northeast than I did at St. Pete High. But yeah, well, we, we can talk about Harold in a minute because Harold's a whole other story. In oh, he's amazing. But, uh, just a remarkable musician. And he's always just been one of those people that you can't help but to respect and, and love. You know, He's had a he's had an interesting life, you yeah. know, and he's a tough, tough kid. And yeah. I, I, you know. He's he's gone through a lot in his life and he's doing really well right now, which which makes me happy. Um, are you St. Pete yeah, originally? Yep. yep All right. Born so Riviera, I, I God, I could probably, if I thought hard enough about it, rattle off 20, 30 names that I'm sure you know. We've got to be then about the same age. I'm gonna be forty five next month. Oh yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I turned forty four in September. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're we're, we're, we're right definitely there. okay rubbing shoulders in the circles back then. Now there wasn't any skate parks back in that day. I remember it was Man. I was hang hung out at Reno Beach Surf Shop or John Reno whatever version of a shop he had. He used to have one on. 9th Street, then it moved over to 4th Street, and then he then he became more surf stuff. But that was yeah. the place to get decks and skateboards when I was a kid. And then there was a place in Tyrone Mall. I'm trying to remember what it was called. Uh, there was that. I forget that. What, Good Vibrations? Good maybe? Vibrations. And then there was the Allen Sports Center on Seminole Boulevard yep. started to carry boards. Then Sundance opened up eventually, and, and that was the spot. Um, there was Mad was Beach. Mad Beach. Yeah, Mad yeah. Beach, Allen Beach. But back then... 
if you didn't live on the beach, you weren't really going out there. Yeah, <laughs> that seemed hard. like light years away right. when I was a kid. Yep. And uh, in, as far as skate spots or parks, definitely no parks. There was those DYI starting up, maybe that Shackleton spot. That there was random. There was an abandoned gas station. What's the big uh, bank that's there on 9th Street, like right before 22nd Avenue? That big, uh, The big cylinder that's kind of like an inverted cone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, just uh, just north a block from there was this gas station that was abandoned forever. And I remember just we would just be in that thing all hours of the night. It was just like setting up old signs against the walls. Yeah, and just all, you yeah. Know, like I said, all you do it yourself. It's better than, you know. Good stuff, man. That was good times. We would meet at Harold would sometimes do it. We would meet at Riviera in the morning at like seven in the morning before teachers and stuff got there so we could skate the stairs out front right. and then like eventually teachers would start coming in some would be cool with it ultimately we would get asked to stop but um and then that the did you ever skate the the slab at northeast shopping center it was that yes. old yes. it was just a concrete slab in the middle of the parking yes. lot that was yes. pretty much a place they left us alone there was actually a pool where i think the fresh market is now there was a pool that oh was that the, closed hotel yeah thing? there was yeah. a pool i remember going there and watching people skate the pool yep yep crazy um so god i'm trying to think about harold as a skater because i never knew him as a skater but oh, Her- he shredded well he had that crazy switch like he had that thing that you just flick it and yeah there's no stopping him absolutely yeah oh wow okay well that's that's awesome so um this book thank you skateboarding is amazing I, i'm pretty much finished it uh but i kind of want to go through it a little bit since it's your most recent book and it kind of has bits and pieces of your life in it so i love it as i understand it you were you've got a number of siblings yes yep how many um i have three three brothers and two sisters one one of which passed away from an overdose but um you know so yeah two sisters three brothers okay now ricky ricky the third who were the first two your dad and your grandpa or does it go further back yeah yeah and um actually like the third came to me a a little bit later in life where i really started to use it i was always just ricky roberts and then it got to a point where it was my way to um stand on my own identity kind of separate myself a little bit from uh, you know, those that, that came before me. For, well, you talk for about your reasons. dad a little bit in the book and kind of a interesting history there with your father. So I would yeah. imagine that that has been something that has uh, kind of turned you into who you are today. Yeah. Um, yeah. F- for better or for worse. Um, now, your Roberts, is that just wasp is that english what's the i have no idea really um i do like the the most i know is some native american heritage you know from on my i think my dad and mom's side both my i know my great-grandfather was 100 percent cherokee and then there was another um indian tribe on on the other side so oh, wow that's very cool yeah yeah very cool. definitely some cherokee there where did you fall in the lineup of siblings oldest youngest middle second second oldest okay I had, um one one older brother just to to backtrack a, a little bit about my father you know that was something he left when i was younger and you know he was making his choices and just trying to get through life at that stage in his life young with six kids trying to figure it out um made some some bad decisions and he was gone for a long time and that that 
create a lot of anger and hostility in me and for many different reasons. And there, you know, that's a whole nother path that I went on, went down with, with projecting that anger and hurt. And, um, ultimately, you know, he came back around. So it was this really like season of anger, rage, making bad decisions myself and having to like go through some things to really wake me up. And then, he came back when I was, you know, in my early 20s, and that was like a perfect transition into opening up to my healing, dealing with stuff, like starting to work on myself. And then I had to to go through that mode of forgiveness, which was amazing journey, an amazing journey just to, to work through and, and get to a place where someone that was at the root of so much pain could then be someone that I could, you know, have that, that peace in my heart with, you know, so that was, that was a, a great experience overall and not easy, you know, and when, when you're talking about forgiveness, I always tell people, it's not always about forgetting or, or saying that it was right for what someone did, it's just freeing yourself from some anger or resentment that you could be carrying in your heart, you know? Right. My, uh, if I'm, I'm becoming more and more aware of this because a colleague of mine said, you need to stop talking about yourself so much. So I'm going to try and not do it quite no, as much. No, but, that's... but, uh, my dad passed in 2018 and he was a hero of mine, but in the later years of his life, he was very much, uh, he had issues with alcohol and some other yeah. things and he was, he was not a violent person. He wasn't a mean or an angry person, but I just think he carried around a lot of depression and that's how he treated it was with alcohol. And there was a lot of judgment that I had for him in the last 10 years yeah. of his life. But when he passed away, that all went away. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that kind of popped into my head is just how tough life is. And yeah, man, you know, it's very difficult to judge what people do to get through it. You know, it's yeah. easy at the time, but in retrospect, you know, it's like no one gets out alive. You know, yeah, it's man. tough. You're not guaranteed, you know, a, a, an ascent, you know, it's very often a descent. Yeah. And, you know, people get through it however they can. And as long as they're not like hurting other people or right. – you know, it's hard for me to judge. So when 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 I lost him, I I was very much kind of forget not forgetting, but forgiveness and just saying, you know, he did the best he could, and and yeah. that's okay. And so I I hear what you're saying about your dad and kind of the the changing perspective on on your relationship with him. And to uh, to speak to that, you know, life thing is in in judging other people. That's the truth. Life's crazy. It's hard, and you. It, um, to think that you could do better in someone else's shoes is hard. It's a, it's a hard thing to to to, uh. to like claim because you don't know what it's like. And I and, and a lot over the years, I've really tried to put myself in that position of, you know, my my mother and father. Both of them made some some bad decisions that affected me and all of my siblings. You know, and and a lot of dysfunction and abuse. But when I look at it and think, I don't know how good I would have done in my 20s with six kids and like trying to right. deal with my own like darkness and get through anxiety and depression or whatever it might be. So, it, it, yeah, it's just it's important, I think, in any situation to look at with some 
some level of compassion and understanding. And again, not to say that it's right, because there are things that are just absolutely wrong that you can't overlook. Um, and I w- I'd say not to forget about it, but the the compassion always helps. Right. Now, uh, you mentioned your sister passed. Are your parents still alive or... Yeah, yeah, um they're they're both still alive. Are you in contact with them at all or I'm I'm in contact with with my father more so than than my mother at this point which is interesting but you know as as you get older you I think that you um realize your responsibility to create boundaries for yourself and standards and um regardless if people are family or or not if they continue to treat you in a way or do things that make you feel um, less than good, you know, I think it's our responsibility to keep that space for our own well-being. That's a that's so. a that's a good point. The boundary thing is one that uh, I came to late because you know you can have a, an ability to take on weight that isn't yours. You can have an ability to feel guilt for not helping those that you love when yeah. it's not really your job to do that. Yeah. You know, again, I had this guilt about feeling like I should be the one to be able to pull my father and my mother out of their drinking. And I should be the one to be able to fix this problem. And the fact that I could never do it for the longest time, I had such a heavy heart because it was like, you know, I'm, I was an only child. So I was like, who, if it's not going to be me, yeah. who's going to do it? Yeah. And at some point along the way, actually through a lot of therapy, you know, I, I learned it's like, it's not your job to fix everybody's problem. It's not your job. You know, that's be there for them. If they ask you for help, you can help them, but you're not the uh, architect of everyone's, you know, being saved. So you got to, and I don't mean that in a, in a religious way, just in, in general. Yeah. So uh, no, the boundary thing is, is, quite important quite a big catharsis in the last couple of years um and i um and to you know to to chime in with that i can appreciate that feeling because i felt that way with you know and i feel that way to to some extent with all of my siblings and i just want them to do well and and do good and kind of heal from some of their their wounds you know wounded child stuff um, but my sister, that was a perfect example. That is, I, you know, she'd read some of my earlier books, which is more like inspirational life journey, kind of self-help journey stuff. And um, I would have multiple talks with her in any way that I would talk with other people that I would try to help through different initiatives that I've had in my life with, with uh, work. Uh, but it, when when she passed away, I carried that guilt heavy. Like it hit me hard. I, I processed like in my um, fifth book, I was processing a, a lot of that. Uh, a path to transformation. So waking the new you. A path to transformation. Actually, no, that was my fourth book. But you got the list it, here if you it, need it. The, yeah, thank you, man. It's starting to I'm <laughs> yeah, saying, starting to get a little chobbled here. Yeah. But um, and plus the ones I'm working on inside of sure. my head always, you know, but. It, it was that that journey of forgiving myself for like the guilt I felt of why didn't I help her? You know, I, there's so many people at this point I've spoken to, you know, tens and tens of thousands of, of young people and, and some adults in different arenas. Uh, but I, and I and I feel like in some ways I've been able to to inspire and help people, but I couldn't help my own sister. 
And when that happened, it was like, all right, what can I learn from this? And really went on that that process of learning and, and growing. And, and what I came to, like, what helped me have the most peace in it is um, sometimes the people we want to help the most, we can't. And we have to free ourselves from that obligation because of the way we want to to help people. And, and ultimately... It has to be each individual deciding to help themselves. We we can't carry that burden. So in coming to peace with that, it was like this this mantra that I adopted into my life is, you know, I couldn't help my sister. And there's many people I couldn't help that I would have loved to be able to help friends that have OD'd and friends that have ended up in prison. All different things that I, I would have loved to to be able to give myself to their better well-being. But um in that, I came up with the mantras is to reach one is to reach them all because we can't always help who we want. But if we reach one person, that's everyone to to that person. And that's pretty much how I, I live my life and direct the focus of my my passions with that's my a writing great, and That's my a work. great. I love that. Yeah. There's a, there's, I, have a, I have on my computer in my, in my office a number of stickies that hopefully – throughout the day if i need one i I look at it and as that reminds me of don't let your inability to do everything stop you from doing something some some version of that that. and you know it's it's, you you talk about skateboarding like coming to grips with the fact that you're getting older and maybe everything's not there yeah you know me with my weight it's like okay maybe i'm not gonna have shredded abs but can i lose 20 pounds you know we kind of have this all or nothing mentality that if we can't be yeah exactly what we want or have exactly what we want or do exactly what we want that we just don't want to do it at all. And there's that middle road of, you know, even if we get halfway there, that's better than where we're, you know, at currently. So kind of uh, not quite as heavy as what you're talking about, but I I definitely think that's a mental block that a lot of us have is the inability to do exactly the thing that we want. Yeah. You know, even in politics, you know, inability to have exactly the person that we want. You sure. know, there's, there's, it's, it's an unrealistic way of thinking. Um, I wanted to ask you about your siblings a little bit because you mentioned them. Uh, how are they doing? Are they kind of they're they're good? You know, they're all they all I here think, locally. Yeah, or? they're they're here, and um, actually, one lives in uh, Michigan, but you know, it's. Uh, I'm proud of all of them in, in their own way for just getting through as much as they have to to be where they are. You know, I um I'm very fortunate in the sense that I think that I I uh, always had something to really pour myself into to help heal and to to help grow as a person. Whereas uh, I'm not sure they had those same things, the healthy outlets. You know, like for me with skateboarding and um other outlets and surfing and writing and uh, my art thing things things of that nature that have been instrumental in me being where i'm at versus uh where i could have been sure you know? so but uh yeah they're 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 doing good um it, there's always room for for growth and, and improvement but um like i said i i i'm proud of them all for just doing their doing what they have done to to at least get where they're at now uh in the book you talk a, a bit about kind of the struggles that you had as a as a younger kid whether it was poverty and having you know the the lights and the water turned off 
as you mentioned, the issue with your father leaving and kind of how your mother weathered the storm of your father leaving and having all those children. Um, what, how bad did, did it get for you personally? Like what was kind of bottom? Um, it got, it got really bad, you know, when was you're, it drugs, was there any of that stuff? Um, I, I would say more, uh, you know, I, I think violence, I, I liked, I got into a, a place of where, where I started to, to hurt people, you know, and, and really enjoy fighting. I looked for opportunities to, um, engage physically with people and to hurt them you know if if any if there was any sort of confrontation or like a bad vibe i was getting from someone i saw it as a just a chance to fight you right know? and um i uh, so i projected my my pain and hurt on a lot of people and then um you know i i I had a lot of struggles internally. I got super depressed and suicidal. And, you know, when you're, when you're in your adolescence and you're everything that you see as, uh, what maybe relationships look like and, um, reality is, and it's bad. And there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of drug abuse. Um, it really starts to distort your understanding of what reality is. And then you see other people's families that are going on vacations and having Christmases and whatever that looks like. And you start to get all distorted of like thinking that maybe something's wrong with you. Why, what's, do, am I doing this? Why is life this hard kind of thing? And, um, you know, and, and it, when you're in high school and you're, literally getting a gallon of water from 7-Eleven down the street, wake up in the morning, run to the store, fill it up, come back, like put, use that water to take a shower all before my friends got there because you didn't want to be like, dude, we don't have water right now. The you don't want to be the smelly like, kid. You don't yeah. want to be the kid who doesn't have water. You yeah, don't want to, yeah. It's like, you're just, even when I knew my friends would back me and they would probably be like, dude, come over to my house and take a shower. It was that a shame that you felt. Sure, you pride, carry, yeah. It almost like it's your fault, you know? So that, that had a big impact on my mental health and um, really just got me to the point where I was depressed and, and suicidal and like even like flirting with, with taking my life multiple times with, you know, gun in my mouth, just trembling on the, the trigger. And I would, I would do the balance point with the trigger where it's like a revolver where you squeeze and then you pull. Mm -hmm. There's that little bit of play at the beginning. And then once it pulls, it clicks past. So I'd always like, I'd pull to the squeeze and see if I could feel that like balance in between and in like, Full on tears running down my eyes, just thinking I could just like we're so close, just pull it, you know, um, or like a knife. I would just have it into my throat and like my palm behind the handle and pushing up to like where it's like full on piercing and like wanting to push so bad and feeling that. And, you know, but before we go any further, but when it comes to, um, conversations about suicide I, I think it's important to acknowledge anyone in that's listening uh to if you're in that place 
you know, get help, you know, talk to someone, reach out. Uh, there's, there's always so many people that help you because like you had mentioned earlier, you know, therapy multiple times, it took me a long time to realize that it was okay to talk to people and that there were so many people that loved and cared about me, you know? Um, so in talking about that, I it just, I always like to make that disclaimer. No, it's, it's, it's no, important. it's true. I've had, you know, George Wood and Chris Bryant and some other people who've been on the show have t told me their stories similar to that. And, you know, uh, it's, it's a tough thing. And, you know, I've a member of my family, I was having, there was some conversation lately that was concerning. And I was just saying, you know, where's the dividing line between thinking about it and, and, and actually thinking about I it. I tell you that, it, that there's a fine line there. Once you talk you about go, that balance point, there's one, kind of yeah. a mental balance once point. Once you go down to the, the, you get into the, the mode of thinking about it, you're not far off from being able to do it. Right. Um, I, and I think it's important to talk about like solutions in those situations in my depression and my my tendency to like loop into darkness or not tendency, but um, experience with with going in that direction. And then you follow loops of like how bad you are, uh, uh, how many things are wrong. And then it loops and it keeps looping into other things. And that loop gets bigger. And next thing you know, you're thinking about how easy, how much you would have relief if you just take your life. And then that loop turns into, well, how would I do it? And um, I, I have this thing that I say is, is, you know, I believe you master your mind or it masters you and you have to catch those thoughts like as fast as you can before they start to take you, take you down. When you wake up in the morning and you wake up and there's a dark shadow sitting over top of you and you feel like you can't get out of bed and you just want to lay there because the blanket feels like it's a thousand pounds, um, you have to challenge yourself to get up, go brush your teeth. That's all you need to do for the day. Right. When you brush your teeth, then your your mind can start going into other things like, okay, let me take a shower, like anything to be productive. And I, I have very little needs in my life, but one of the things that I created earlier in my life is non-negotiables for my mental health, which is skateboarding and outlets like that. People on the outside may see it as like, Oh, that's just some leisurely thing that that you might do, but self care. It, it's, yeah. yeah, the self care is non negotiable for me, and I'm I'm fortunate that I have people around me, especially my wife, that gets that and understands that because she feels the same way about herself, and she understands the purpose, uh, the importance of it. But I feel like as we get become adults, we start to make these negotiations for ourselves to have these these things as options when they're not options not when it comes to your mental health if um i'm a big advocate for putting just as much attention on your mental health as you do any other area of health in your life right right <clears throat> um what was the turning point for you like what was you you mentioned this but like obviously you're today as you sit here very compassionate very empathetic very heartfelt very you know philosophical introspective and all these things like how did you make that transition what what got you to where you are now besides skating um, and you know i was there I, therapy I got, was there i got medication stabbed. was there um i got stabbed nine times when i was 17 and um laying in the hospital almost dying because thinking that 
all of a sudden I realized, wow, I don't want to die. Like all these days that I spent on my life thinking that I could care less if I lived or died. Like I didn't feel like life had anything to offer me. I didn't have anything to offer it necessarily. I didn't have a place in the world. Um, <clears throat> so then all of a sudden feeling like, whoa, I don't want to die because it was on that verge of death and laying there with doctors and nurses all around me and like seeing uh, and feeling the potential of life passing, you know, just being on that like, right. po- place of choice to be here or not is is why I be kept here or I be gone. And that just started that, that woke me up and started that really long road of, of figuring myself out and, and trying to um, ask more of myself. You know, I felt like at that point, if I'm here, there's a choice for me to be here for whatever reason I need to make my, make the best out of it. And I need to use my life and experiences to, impact and and help others so that was there's many things you know over different times of um, in my in my life i i talked to i had some guidance with therapists i i really just i mean there's so many things man i went on uh silent fast by myself in the the woods and all kinds of like just i was just open to the journey of of figuring myself out you know um Writing has been instrumental beyond just writing my books. The the books are just small little, um, you know, manifestations of what writing has actually done for me. Do you write every day? Every you... day, you know, pretty much. Uh, like I try, I try to at least three pages, you know, every day. There's days I miss where I, I'm just kind of like in, in – I don't make myself do it or not make myself, but I don't do it. I may be a little more like in my head and um, just miss a day, but it, it's, that's p- pretty much, you know, most every day. What about reading? Yeah. 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 Reading has been, uh, there's so many great books that, that I've read that have helped and just like kind of guiding me. I don't see that there's much like faith-based aspect to this. Is there, am I missing it? I was wondering. There there are other books that are um, more spiritual, you know, not religious. I don't consider myself a religious person at all. Definitely a spiritual journey. Uh, So like there's more mention of, you know, a higher power source, universe, whatever anyone wants to call it. Um, And like my second, third and um, fourth book, I, I think they're like more mention of it, but not religious or, or necessarily, uh, you know, I don't want to say not faith-based because I live my life just on faith of many different things. Well, right. So, so that this was a conversation that I was having with George Wood and he was talking about the difference between faith and religion. And I was telling him, you know, I don't consider myself to be a person of faith. I'm not religious. You know, I grew up going to Catholic school yeah. and I was raised Catholic and my children are baptized Catholic. My daughter goes, but, but it was around the time I, my mom got diagnosed with cancer that I kind of lost any kind of that aspect of my life. And, uh, in doing that, you know, I was a prosecutor over in Pinellas County, County and did criminal defense. So I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of people who 
have issues with substances, whether it's drugs yeah. or alcohol or whatever else. And a lot of the programs out there have some component of, you know, religion in it. And I was asking George is, is there a road to salvation, a road to recovery that isn't a road of, you know, religious faith? Like, can you do it as an agnostic or as an atheist? And, you know, he had in- interesting answers about it, but that that's one of the things that I noticed about your book is you kind of almost have faith in yourself, faith in what your abilities are. Not that it, not that you're not receiving help from outside of right, yourself, right. but you kind of in, invested in your pot committed in yourself and kind of, I'm going to be the best person that I can be, you know, so at least that was my takeaway from it. Yeah. And like, you know, just, um, I, I think that that's, that's part of the, uh, process of getting to a connection to any type of higher power or source, you know, is really going inward and, and believe in, in yourself and your abilities and the other things are revealed, you know, and uh, I think that uh, everyone has their own way to, to whatever their greatest good is or whatever you want to call it understanding is that I, I think there's just so many different paths and, and directions uh, that that people can can take, um, but I, I think ultimately the focus is just to be the best versions of ourselves, and I think that just starts to pe- open up and blossom into so many other beautiful things and connections to whatever passions or causes or um, whatever anyone wants to call it a higher power, if you will, you know, God uh, source, it's just, it's that desire to, to grow. Right. Um, that takes us in great places, you know, I believe. You mentioned your wife. How long have you been married? Um, we will be together five years Thursday, um, married like three how'd you guys meet um we we actually met when we were younger um but at that stage we're like we're eight years apart so when we met when we were younger i'm in my like mid late 20s and she was maybe 20 or something eight years is a big difference at the younger end when you're in the older end it kind of doesn't yeah so we reconnected later on um we hung out a few times back then that was it and then we we both went and did our things did she remember you pre-enlightenment pre um i don't know no not really i mean it was like i was in you know late later 20s i was in the business world at that point but we didn't hang out enough to get to know each other right. then at all you well know? let me ask you you mentioned the business world i want to because because what i know of you are your books and your skating what what is your what is your day-to-day what is it that you do my for day-to-day me? is my books you okay. know um it, before the covid you know i i had several initiatives going in and and um getting funding to get uh, copies of my fifth book, Just for Youth, into young people's hands, middle school and high school primarily. Did a lot of talks in, in different capacities. And then I um, would also um, invite young people to be a part of this movement of value and others that I started that has been spread all around the, the world, really, through these little cards that say, you are valued. I see the value in who you are, pass it on on the back. And it's just this ripple of kindness thing. But... Um, 
Yeah, since it, but the the books have always been the the foundation, and then talks and all of that stuff have like come from the books. It's just like a, a spread, but that that's um, yeah, that's my my day to day. That's my, the the books is uh, they're they're how I sustain and um, you know uh, keep keep the dream alive. Do you have um, any children? One, one okay. child. Yeah. How old? Um, he is two months and oh wow, like a week or something. Oh, yeah, born, you're, newborn. You're you're in it. Yeah, how's your it, sleep going? Uh, it's getting there. Yeah. It's definitely you know it, it's um yeah the first first few weeks are are brutal. Yeah, it's, it's uh baby boot camp is what it my is wife sure. and I've been saying. They talk about when you when you have your first one that like the the moms are in love because they're in the the womb and it takes yeah. the dad a little bit for it to click. I, I can't remember if that's exactly how I felt, but there is a point around six months when you pick up little personality traits that all of a sudden they really like have you have you by the heart. But uh, one thing that has uh, promoted my you know, rigid attendance at therapy is how my upbringing impacts my, how I want my kids to be raised, how yeah. I want my relationship with my wife to be. And do you think about your parents' relationship at all when you're thinking about you and your wife? Do you think about your parents at all when you're thinking about your son? Yeah. And um, real quick to to go back to the day-to-day that was a leap of faith. That's a whole nother conversation. But I was in the business world for 10 years. What was and, the business? Uh, yeah, that's what I was uh, asking. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I was in the car business. Okay. And I was working with youth when I was younger. I got this opportunity. I bought a car from this guy. I became really good friends with them. It's quick. It's long. But um, eventually became... Like car sales? sales? Man- yeah. Became sales manager for his dealership that kind of took over everything. We partnered... Then I was in contract to buy the business from him. Oh my God. Um, I was well committed over a million dollars on like a 30, 20 year lease, like a 10, five multiple or a 10 to like couple five year renewals and buying his inventory, several hundred thousand dollars of inventory. Wrote my second book, What Really Matters. At that point, I had known from growing up poor. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go help these young people and do this thing. And then um, I got this opportunity. I started to see money and the opportunity to make real money. Um, not saying any money is not real, but like s- significant money. And uh, I all of a sudden just got this cr- feeling that if I made a lot of money, I would be happy and my life would be perfect and, and all of this stuff would be great. Everything that all of my pain and all my struggles from youth were because we were so poor. Right. And of course the dysfunction, but I was caught up in this idea, um, illusion, I, I, w- I should say. And um, after I wrote my second book, what really matters, I was assessing because I had multiple people that I knew that were worth millions of dollars that passed away randomly. And then some close friends I knew passed away. Um, and now it's another friend that got murdered at a young age. And so I started to look at, uh, and of course, my own experience with uh, near death, started to look at like where all of these people were and where, where like what their life was like. And then ask myself what really matters in the midst of all of this stuff, like at the end of it all, what really matters ultimately. And 
after I finished the book, all of a sudden I was getting all these conflicting feelings. I had just contracted within the last year to buy this, to, you know, I was buying the business. It was in my name. Everything was going in that direction. I, I was like, I had one rental property and then I was buying another one and I'm like, had this like map to have a certain amount of properties at a certain age and all this like map to become millionaire basically. After I wrote that book, I was looking at my life and seeing how I was living it and realized that this, it wasn't right. It wasn't what I felt in my heart I wanted to do. It was just something I thought I should do from society's pressure and like the, like things I was trying to identify with that weren't true to who I am. And, um, basically just walked away, you know, dissolved my business agreements and lost everything in terms of financial growth and like sustainability that I built up at that point. I had to let it go to keep moving. Were you married at that point? No, no. Were you guys together? Um, No, no, no. No, That was uh, when I was 30, roughly like 20, 27, 28 is when What Really Matters came out. And that was like the process of fully go uh, like dismantling that whole system and then i did a little broker auto broker things had a lot of clients just to keep it going and then at some point i realized i had to cut the cords completely and then that's a big leap yeah man um and eventually i started working at this organization for a couple years the domestic violence agency i was a youth advocate oh wow um and when I then at that point again, I was like, you know, I just this isn't right. I need to be fully invested in me and like what I'm, what my work is, and what I want to share, my books and and my focuses, you know. So I left that, and my my directors were so great um, and supportive. But they were like, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna do this? I have no idea. I just know I have to, like, I have to go. If I don't. I'm always I will always regret, regret it, that I yeah. didn't go all in on my own dreams and I I left Were you and, skating um, during this time? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It, um at that time I was really like heavy in surfing. I was able to to surf a lot and go on some trips and stuff, which was awesome. But then uh when I I did that and like 2 weeks after I made that was a huge leap because there was no guarantee of any money or anything. Like I need to do like some talks to get paid. I don't know. I need to sell books. Within it was like one or two weeks after I got an email from some uh the like program inside of Pinellas County Schools that wanted to buy it was maybe like a, a thousand copies of my first book. So it was just and since then it has been random things and opportunities and, and bulk book sales that have just kept kept me kept me going. That's amazing. You know? Um and it sounds like easy and amazing, but of course that comes with a lot of fear and a lot of oh, anxiety. I'm sure. like, oh yeah. Oh like I, I mean I've been to the point where I had before my wife and I were together, I was to a point where I had thirty seven dollars in my name. I was letting go of the last piece of property that I had had to get find a place to live, didn't have a clue where I was going to live, and then like just something worked out. Do you well. think having experienced that as a younger kid made you less afraid of being there or more afraid of being there? Like if you've yeah. been through it, it's maybe – I guess it could go one of either way. It could be, well, I've been there. I, can, I know I can do it again or I never want to go back there. Like did you think of it? And- you know, it, there is always that like um, – like the opposite side of the spectrum 
course, there's that the, the, the biggest draw is I never want to be poor, want to go back there when I was like, I need to make money, I need to make money. And when I left, it wasn't it wasn't about money or anything like that, or or I didn't think so much about if I had to struggle that I was going back to poverty. It was that I was doing it for my dreams. Right. So there's a difference of like because poverty goes much deeper than just the um material possessions that we have. Because if I was at a place in my childhood that I we didn't have anything and power was turned off. We were getting food after our food assistants would run out, get food from churches or whatever and no water um, in very minimal and in material things at all back then. If I had love and support and like I felt like good about who I was and esteem and self-esteem and things like that, it wouldn't have been poverty so much. It would have just been material, lack yeah, of, sure. of certain material things. So, um there was that push to get away from it. Then as I, I got older and realized the importance of following my passion and my dreams, you know, times that I've gotten really down financially and struggled, it, it didn't feel like I was going back to my, like the cycles I was born. It was just felt like it was part of the journey to um, get to, to where I'm going in right. terms of realizing my, my like, potential and and my dreams you know so we were talking a little bit uh on social media pri privately about uh we were talking about kind of your routine with skating and you said you know i wear the same thing to the park every day and all this other stuff and we were having discussions about you know a minimalist kind of way of conducting your life uh and you mentioned some story in your life that kind of led to that is that what we're talking about right now or yeah yeah, yeah. um you know, when I when I left the car lot, I just looked at all this stuff I acquired, and half of it I had no like I could care less right. about any of it. So you know, I started going through a phase of letting go of things little by little, and you know, got to the point where I really just had very minimal in my house, and I liked it. It was very freeing, and I enjoyed the feeling, you know, and then. Um, I try to keep things to a minimum in terms of the the things that I buy and and get. It's just you know I I don't I I had a lot of things in different cars and stuff like that that I thought would satisfy me or give me some sort of fulfillment and the fulfillment was so short lived that it was almost mind blowing sometimes right. of so much ideas that you put into some material thing and then you get here and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. That was, yeah. So <laughs> it that's a, that's a problem I have. We were talking about that too. And then this is one of the things that I talk with the therapist a lot about is intellectually understanding something, but being actually able to practice what you intellectually understand. Like, you know, I know how to lose weight. I know, I know what a yeah. good diet is. Why don't I do it? Or I know I don't need all these sneakers, but why, you know, I know intellectually the right way, but getting yourself to actually go down that path is an interesting well, battle for, it, at least for me. And it's the thing, you know, what you were saying, it's like we, we get caught up in the extremes of all or nothing type right. thing, but you know, in something simple like diet or, um, not having 20 pairs of shoes it's like okay you know slowly slow modifications little right, by little right micro um, micro abrasions that's, yeah. that's that's yeah. where i think that's where sustainable change happens with any habits that we're trying to create for ourselves you know um 
it's like, okay, so instead of 20, let me just bring it down to 15 or maybe 18. Or right, whatever. right. Um, if I'm trying to adjust my diet instead of eat, and I'm just using this as a large sample, instead of having three sodas a day and um, whatever, like fast food twice, just do it once and have one soda a day and right. like slowly modify. Right, you know, it, right. It's, um, it, that's, and I'm always, you know, I always try to look at different areas that I can modify in my life. And um, it's always a work in progress in, in terms of like the, the material things. I, and this is not to say there's anything wrong with people who have a lot of things and want a lot of things. It's, I get it. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot, there, there are many awesome things out there to acquire sure, yeah. and, and have and enjoy momentarily, you know, the newness of it or whatever. Um, it's just something me for me personally. And also when I was adjusting my lifestyle and focusing on, on like my books and my passion and things like that, the, you know, those things were necessary. I had to strategize and set my life up strategically to be able to halfway sustain, you know, I mean, I went from a point of driving Lexus or whatever car that I wanted, like looking out at a dealership of 35, 40 cars at sometimes and that like pick whatever, you know, right. to not having a car, having a scooter for a extended period of time. And then eventually getting like an 87 Honda Accord vintage right. that right. I had just, but willing to make those sacrifices to pursue what, what I am. Well, this is an important point. And I, and I, I, don't I, I? It's hard for me because I don't always want to talk about things where I don't necessarily practice what I preach. But one of the things that has become more clear to me as I get older is that the the the, the price of things is not just what's on the the tag. It's yeah. it's the time from your existence that you yes. have to devote to sustain or maintain those yeah. things. It's you're more exchanging the, time for whatever you have, and that's time you're taking away from. Your son skating, yes. your wife, yeah. your own self care. You know, yes. the more the more of that that you're holding on your shoulders, the less you have to give to the things that are actually important and actually actually meaningful. So I have to try and think of it in that way sometimes. And, and yeah. you know, it's hard because there's you know only 24 hours in a day, only yeah. seven days in a week. What are you going to do with that time? Yep. You know, and uh, so the the price of things and and also encumbering yourself. You know, I think there's this drive for especially young people to encumber themselves. They need to have a car. They need to have a mortgage. Yeah. They need to have a wife. They need to have kids. And I'm not saying that wife and kids aren't are encumbrances, but right. there's certain things that kind of, once you cross that threshold, it's very difficult yeah. to, you know, not to look back, you yes. know? So you got to make sure when you're doing these things yeah. that you know what you're doing and you're pot committed and ready to go forward with yeah. it because, you know, we're talking about your dad's stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm primarily practice family law. So I see, what happens with the family oh, unit and the impact that these things have on the children. And, you know, you're talking about your experiences. There's all this uh, literature these days about not even just kids of uh, families with domestic violence, but just of toxic uh, communications between yeah. the parents, what impact that has on children. Uh, and I was having a conversation with a friend of mine last week, and we were talking about infidelity. And I was saying to him, you know, people, whatever their view is, 
on it. Yeah, it's a horrible thing to do to a person, but when there's children involved, yeah. the the imprint that you're putting on those kids and what their view of trust is, what their view of loyalty is, what their view of family is, what their yeah. view of love is, what their view of intimacy is, you are changing those things sometimes permanently. And not only that, but your spouse is their mom or their dad. So sure. you're doing something to their parent. You know, yeah. it's a it's an affront on your child as much as it is on yeah. your spouse. And I don't it's always amazing to me when I have these cases and I see this going on. I'm like, if you really unpack that bag and look at what it is you're doing, it's far worse than you can even conceive of, you know. So uh in any event, it's kind of a tangent, but I Well, no, just, that actually brings it full circle back to what you're asking about me having a kid and and that um do I think about that with with uh my wife and my kid and what what my home life was Absolutely. You know, it's like I, my sixth book is Healing the Wounded Child Within. And that was a journey that I was going on and realizing as I got older, I acquired skill sets and things that I'd learned along the way from personal development. And, you know, I studied human development, psychology, child development when I was younger, um, and then human development later on in school. So I, I, was doing it really studying myself sure. and, and my own psyche and things, things of that nature. So when I was going through that journey to heal thing, I had these skill sets, but I realized there were still wounds that I hadn't healed that if triggered would manifest into behaviors in my life. And uh, so I went down and really just got deeper than than I had in the past to, to, to kind of pluck away at that stuff and, and heal those, those wounds that have been sort of managed, I should say, not fixed. And... Um, but when when I had when our our child was born, it triggered a lot of stuff that I like had to deal with that anxiety of not wanting to let him down and not wanting and although I have it embedded in my mind, not repeating cycles, but just just wanting to be better, you know, wanting to be there um, unconditionally for my son and and beyond childhood stuff of just that feeling of of wanting to to give him any edge that I can based on how I, you know, treat him and care for him and, and uh, you know, interact and engage. So, it, it was, yeah, it's like stuff that I'm very acutely aware of and making sure that certain, because what a, a mentor and dear friend and, and important person in my life talked to me about was... As your child is going through different stages of development, they may trigger some some childhood stuff that you had in those similar stages of development that you wouldn't have known before. So, like, if maybe your biggest trauma as a young person was in your teenage years, when your child is a teenager, it's going to trigger a lot of that that those old trauma things in you. So that's interesting. I'm yeah, and I haven't really thought about that before. So I'm being really aware you know of of things that may be triggering and it, it is good to be vigilant uh one of the guests that we had on the show he was talking about people with uh porn addiction and how people that get past porn addiction uh when they try and re-enter a world of intimacy with their significant other a lot of times that's going to trigger in them a lot of doubt and guilt and wonder yeah. about you know 
how they feel in that moment versus how their perception of sex was and all these other things. And so it's, it's a, it's the point that you're making, I think is an interesting one is that, you know, we, we grow, we can get healthy, we can get perspective in life, but we do have to be vigilant that there's going to be maybe, I don't know if it's setbacks, but you're going to be tested. Yeah. Uh, and you, you have to know that that's coming and be okay with that yeah. and know that you might fall down, but can get back up yeah. and these sorts of things. So that's interesting. And being kind to yourself, you know, that's it's, a big um, one too. Yeah. We're, we're all just trying to figure it out, man. It, like we started this off, it, life's crazy. It's a, it's a wild ride, and um, sometimes are harder than others. And you know, I, I think that it's it's a very slippery slope when we start getting super hard on ourselves and shaming ourselves and getting um, lost in the the idea of regret because um, it just perpetuates into a, a lot of unnecessary unnecessary harm to to ourselves you know it's if things happen you make mistakes you you do something wrong you you have to accept it learn and grow from it and know that we're we're all human just trying to get through this the best we can well that's a great transition to your book so maybe we can kind of lighten it up and talk yeah, about yeah, skateboarding yeah. a little bit <laughs> so how did do you remember how you got into it was it a, a brother was it a friend was it a Someone, I, I just remember uh, older brothers, my older brother skateboard, he had some friends that skateboarded and I, somewhere along the line, one of them let me use their board or let me borrow or have an old board You were doing BMX racing yeah, a lot. Yeah, I was really yeah. heavy into BMX. Now, um, there wasn't there a track that was out there by Tyrone Mall? Or, yeah. Yeah, wasn't yeah, that the big? Yeah, a few of them. Yeah. Yep. I remember, I, I, I never, I mean, I had the BMX bike, but I never got into the racing part, but I remember that was out there and thinking that was pretty cool. Um, watched Rad nine million times. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it was a great one. Yeah, I was uh, I was fortunate. There was a friend of mine uh, that I'm still friends with to this day. He his father made um, his living from one of parts of his the way he made his living is from taking photos at, at BMX races okay. and then sell. Like he would take the photos, get them developed. The photos developed at the first day of the race and have them for sale the second day of the race or, or whatever. Um, but he would travel around all over to races and I would got to ride with, with them to races, which was very fortunate. That's awesome. So I, I got to, yeah, race around the country. So at some point along the way, someone introduced a board into your life and then yeah. that kind of stole you away from, from the BMX world. Man, I, I would start bringing my board to races and then it got to the point where I almost missed a big race. I was at a national race and almost missed my moto that they call them um, because I was in the parking lot skating. Yeah. And I just, I remember one weekend... Because I, I would race Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to get my points for the national circuit, um, a different tracks over the over the weekend. And one weekend, I just told the 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 guy that I would go with that I'm not I'm not racing. I'm just gonna like stay home and skate. And I skated all weekend and absolutely loved it. And that was it. I yeah. was done. Yeah. I, like I just knew the only thing I wanted to do is skate as much as I could whenever I could. Um, if it was raining, I wanted to find a small square of dry spot somewhere just to skate and that became it. Right. Um, there's this concept that I always kind of visit in my thinking on skating. And, you know, as I become a responsible adult, you know, and I, I 
have different views on things. I still go back to where my mind was at skating. And here's the example I'll give. I'll be in a city, you know, a brand new building and they have these rails and they weld the knobs on them or you have these little, you know, hubbas or whatever. And they, and I understand these as landowners, as building owners, they want to protect their property. But there's something I feel beautiful about skating. It's almost this yin and this yang between civilization and like a primal, yeah. Primal, uh, way of, 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 um, exploring yourself or, or, or kind of do, art, I guess, as it were. And so I had this struggle in my mind. You know, I understand why, you know, city councils don't want people skating on these benches. And I understand why people, but at the same time, I'm like, you need, you need both sides to it. And there's yeah. something very, uh, uplifting to me about, you know, you talk about in the book, those stairs, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to beat those stairs or that ledge. I'm going to beat that ledge or this, whatever. It's this kind of struggle that I think is beautiful. And so the, the responsible part of me versus the kind of more primal part of me are always kind of going back and forth on what I, I think about that. these things. Does that make sense to you what I'm no, saying? 100%. Yeah, I could, I could definitely, you know, you that. watch a lot of these videos and there's always a part of the video where the security guard is like stealing some guy's skateboard or running yeah. people off. And it's like, it's like, where do I land on that? You know, like, I'd like to think I'm the kids who are like, you know, you know, live hard and, and get that trick. But, you know, I, I probably will be the guy yelling at some kids for skate my curbs or whatever. So it's, you know, I, I, it's hard because you you know you have to respect. I don't I don't really skate a whole lot of street street. Um, but luckily, the parks days. now make yeah, it a little bit so easier to parks. yeah. And um, but I appreciate that that conflict, you know, because it, you have to you have to respect the the business owners and um, you know, what their properties need to look like to stay, you know, valuable or whatever. And right. I, and I think that um. You know, many skateboarders do. They they appreciate it, and uh, it's. But at the same time, they see something, and it's just it's just something you have to do. You know, they want they want to skate, but it, it's um not a. It's never out of a, a malice, malice it's, it's or disrespect. It's a. a it's out of yeah. um getting something or or being able to express themselves in a in a way that they can maybe that they're only doing through skateboarding or one of the ways they express themselves and also the the outlet aspect of it in the sense of you know conquering a trick you know overcoming the the challenges in your mind to to get past and through a battle but when it comes specifically to street sports it is that's part of the you know when I skated more street that we never wanted to be mean to anyone or just no, sure, yeah. But I it didn't was mean more to, I didn't like mean to paint it that no, way. no, no, not at all. You didn't yeah. paint that way. I'm just saying. Um, but it was just that, you, like, you had to do it. You know, it was like it's just this thirst for something. Um, and then uh, it, it's there's nothing like the parks are great, and I love them. That's primarily where I skate. But there's nothing like Raw Street. There's yeah. nothing like just it's because you have so many different elements involved on the streets that you're, you know, you're just working with whatever you have and um, getting a trick out of it. It's my skate hero has always been the Gons. Like he's always been my favorite because he, you know, I, he's like a mix of Willy Wonka, Salvador Dali, Gene Wilde, you know, like he, he, 
he has these crazy boards and he rides stuff that no one else rides, like not yeah. because they're difficult, but just because no one would even think that you could do anything. And he's always got these these weird weird tricks that he's pulling off. But you mentioned in the book, and I and I really loved it. And it's true. If if you skate now or you've ever skated for any period of time, you do look at the world differently. And I was yeah. I was looking. There's a poster up there for the movie They Live. Did you ever see the movie They Live with? Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, where the aliens no. came. You had it's that when you if you wore the glasses, you could see that the people were aliens. But if you took the, the glasses off, everybody just looked like no, humans. I didn't see you never that. seen that no. movie. Oh, you all right, I'll movie. get it. I'll get well, it. Well, anyway, with 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 if you skated, I love this studio. By the way, oh well, it's thank a, you. I appreciate it's so it. So awesome. Yeah, this man. is my little yeah, my the, a little it. interpretation of my inner conscience. But uh, as a skater. You, you're looking at every curb, yeah. you're looking at every parking stop, you're looking at every rail, every yeah. bench, every wall, every staircase. And even to this day, you know, I'm way overweight. I've got two kids yeah. walking around with my wife and I'm like, God, that would be rad right there, you know, to hit that, you know, whatever else. So it's funny, that never goes away. You well, always think in those terms. Yeah. And think about how beautiful and powerful that is to to do something Fall in love with something that leaves an impression on you forever, forever, whether you still do it or not. And it changes your your perspective on the world. Right. Like you'll you'll be seven years old getting around however you are, whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping to still be pushing, honestly, cruising, whatever I might be doing. But seeing things like that and in your mind thinking yeah what's possible down them or or it's just or seeing them as that right. um as more of a obstacle to skate versus a part of a you know a, a building and, and going back to the 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 street stuff in the buildings is i think that's what it is is it's not that skateboarders see it as a part of this business or whatever they see it as something to do their art Right on and and with you know so and, and that's a I love I I I love that um of just knowing that that's always there right you know and you can drive around and you're always looking at stuff at, through the eyes of a skateboarder. How cool. are you? Are you getting in hours every day? I I my goal is uh you know four to five days a week sometimes it's a little more is is usually how I I I you know I carve out time to to be able to at least skate those um and some some days the sessions are much longer than than others but everybody are you pretty much always at that one park right no we we switch it up you know and um but yeah that that park when it opened it was just the team Payne did such a phenomenal job talking about the St. Pete skate park and it was it just has everything because there was um, one in Fossil Park for a minute wasn't there yeah yeah, yeah. they're still there is still it, there I, I skated that a lot in my like 20s yeah. 20s yeah. and stuff that, that was when it first opened um, where's this park I have never uh, been there by Campbell right behind Campbell Park Elementary okay okay yeah all right where else do you skate um, I like the Gulfport Park a lot. Holmes Beach has a great one. Sure. Um, went to Apollo Beach this past weekend. Jackson Springs. All the parks. Did you ever are, get over the Bro Bowl? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's not uh, called that anymore, but yeah, yeah. That's um, that Very was just something. It's kind of I went there a lot when I was younger for the original one. Yeah, like really way back when it was wild. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, <laughs> wild, wild, yeah. wild there. But uh, yeah, it was uh. 
it's hard to to go sometimes to other parks when one of the like I really like the same bee park and so does everybody close. know you there like are you kind of the regulars I'm, anyway I mean yeah there's like a whole crew a morning crew of people that because we go in the mornings most of the time right. and um yeah everyone's really awesome with each other and it's just the those those guys and and some of the, the female skaters go out there as well hype me up so much you know it's, that's it's, a really uh, kind of a i don't know that it's a new thing but i'm noticing it more is there's a lot more female skaters at the skate park than i remember when i was a kid skating yeah i would i mean we had when we were in high school and stuff there were girls definitely interested in it but very few actually like wanted to do it sure or now there's so many females that are that are doing it you know which is which is amazing i love it and you know the, just to speak to the inclusiveness of, of skateboarding you asked if everyone um knows me at the park whether whether people know me or not or i know them or not it, it's um People are just respected when they when they show up. If you're being respectful and kind of you know being mindful of of how you're skating and not just getting in front of people or snaking people or whatever, it's generally speaking a friendly vibe and welcoming right. vibe, which which I always appreciate and love about skateboarding. Right. You got any tricks that you're working on now? Is there? Yeah, yeah. I always have four, <laughs> like three or four in my head that I, I want to do new ones. I'm yeah. always pushing to to get a couple new tricks because th that's where, you know, I, I try to keep it progressing and not get comfortable. For the last few years, I've been a lot of relearning old tricks that I used to be able to do and trying to get stuff down and feel solid again. And, and now it's... Um, you know, I'm always thinking of some that, that I want to do. How's the body holding up? Good. It, it, it's, uh, <laughs> man, it's harsh, you know, but I, I do a lot of like cross stuff. I was going to gonna ask about that. Like, do you have a routine outside of skating? Yeah, do? I, I do. I do yoga, stretching, whatever you want to call it. I do, uh, I, I call it yoga because I actually like work on breath work and, and, you know, meditation and, and things of that nature. But the, um, I have a consistent practice of that that I do that counterbalance with with skateboarding. Uh, I get acupuncture on a regular basis. Um, you know, I have like CBD bombs and Tiger Bomb and things things oh, yeah. that I that I just that I do. You know, and then um, like some calisthenic stuff too, just to try to help like my my course to stay up. Um, but those some of those get. Uh, exercises outside of skateboarding get compromised from injuries all the time right you know like my wrists are always bummed a little bit so that messes up some of the game but i'm always doing some some yoga and stretching and uh, things just to offset the the impact and your wife is supportive of it she's cool with it she absolutely yeah yeah absolutely she knows it makes me a, a better person all around to to be able to do it and you know it, um it's just there's so many positive aspects to that's always a struggle i have is feeling guilty about taking time for myself away from my and it's healthy what you're doing yeah. I, you're at yeah. a place that i'd like to get to yeah. but just intellectually or, or psychologically that's something that i'm always you know well i mean you know and she she i encourage her time too and we both surf together and stuff so she's she's she gets it she right. understands and she's an artist and she type like, of artist um she she has a tattoo studio. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Okay. In downtown Gulfport. Oh very um, cool. Mother Ocean. She's amazing. And uh, 
So she gets that that balance. But it, yeah, it's conflicting, man. I want like to give you an example. When I, our son was born, like we had, a, she had a, a very intense labor. We went from like a, a birth center, had to get transferred to the hospital and like stay there for two days because it, it was just a delayed labor. She had um, over 40 hour labor. It was super intense. Oh my God. Um, so the whole experience, like being up the first 24 hours straight, then getting a little bit of nap and then in the hospital, you know, you're not really sleeping. Uh, but coming out of that, you know, we were coming home and transitioning home and like the next day it was, I intellectually, I needed to stay here for these, this morning and kind of just like, you know, I want to be a great husband. I want to be a, a, a solid figure in my son's life just for him to feel me there always, you know, but at the same time, I knew that if I didn't go skate for a few hours, then I like I'm not going to be good. Not gonna My be head's not going to be yourself, good. Yeah. I'm going to start like getting anxiety and depressed and things like that. I was already dealing with postpartum depression right away. Um, I actually dealt with it before labor. You know, earlier phases of of it. So. I, it was, I knew it had to be what it is. And my wife full, fully supported that because she, she understands. And um, it, it's back to saying intellectually, we get that social pressure in society, generally speaking, of feeling selfish if we do things that take care of ourselves. But I, I actually believe it's selfless, you know, when you commit to taking care of yourself because you set yourself you you're more set up to be better for everyone around you right you know um so it's it's not always easy like i said in my mind yeah i'm like it's that middle road yeah you think of it intellectually yeah. like oh maybe i shouldn't really go skate today or i shouldn't go play the guitar or shouldn't do this thing that helps me stay fulfilled and and happy and inspired because i could be doing these other things which ultimately is other things for other people, which is beautiful. And, and I, I live a selfless life to the biggest part, um, to the biggest extent. But I also know if I'm not, don't have those times of taking care of myself, I'm not going to do any good. You now, know? you mentioned art, you, your art. And I don't know if you were referring to skateboarding or if there's some other aspect of art in your life. Uh, I, I like to draw. Oh, do you? you? Know, yeah. That's something that, uh, the three pillars of my survival as a young person dealing with uh, paralyzed and depression, sometimes anxiety and violence and things like that were was like pencil art, um, color pencils, graphite, uh, journaling, and skateboarding. Do those exist anywhere in the world to see or are those just for you, your drawings? Uh, no, they're, I share them. I post them on, maybe, on uh, maybe social Maybe an art book at some point. Yeah, I mean, I've only sold a couple. I just decided, like, there were a few that I decided to sell, but um, there's parts of me I wish I kind of just kept them because there's a the 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 pieces I've been working on the last several years is a like a series of agents of change I did. Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson, Nelson Mandela. I'm working on Dalai Lama now. I did Gandhi. Oh wow! Uh, I did. Um, I'm going blank on her her name. The young advocate advocate for education and female, and I think Iraq, Iran, um, Mandal, and what's her name? Starts with an M. I'll have to think about it. 
We can post production it yeah, in. Yeah, I'm I'll going put blank. It in nah, I'm going blank, but that's uh, the one I sold. Has your wife ever tattooed any of your pieces? Yeah, yeah, my arm. She, is that, she is did. That one um, that she, I mean, no, tattooed something that you drew. Oh, no, 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 okay. no, no. Just once she did it. She okay. did it. That's very cool. Um, so, uh, before you go, I know you said you had to be, get out of here by, by 1030, I think. Um, your newest book is Thank You Skateboarding, yeah. but you do you have any more that are coming out in the short term? I mean, are you getting Nothing close? Nothing soon. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, I've really been trying to put my time into giving Thank You Skateboarding its space and, and grow and, and develop to you know continue to to get momentum um and share it, it it's the response has been great so it's a great far book from, i love it I, I i i want my kids to read it i was thinking awesome. I, I want to grab some copies to give to clients who are going through struggles because i you know i i always i visually people always think like they want to talk football with me or they want to talk whatever because i'm a bigger guy and whatever else but it's God, funny because i would funny. rather talk skateboarding or i would rather talk art or i'd rather talk all these other things and skateboarding for me even though i don't get to do it as much now as i used to is just such a beautiful thing because you could do it by yourself you can do it with a bunch of people it's a it's a mixture of sport art health i mean it's it's really and not only that with surfing which is great but you got to live near a body of water yeah. that has it's waves work to surf yeah, yeah with skating you, you can do it anywhere yeah. you know it's just it's just such an awesome thing that as you mentioned was a part of my life that has benefited my life, even if I'm not doing it regularly yeah. today. Just it, one of my big things is music. I love music. Music is like my passion. And even today, like I, I'm addicted to watching skate videos and love I get it. introduced to so much new, awesome music yeah. through skate videos. Like they're always on the cutting edge. I don't know. Did you see the Stay Gold uh, video, the America yeah, video? Yeah, yeah. That soundtrack is so just, good. is so good. I like, I, I made a playlist of that soundtrack and I still listen to it today. So That's it's awesome. given me so much and I'm, I'm hoping it's something that my kids take to my uh, cousin has been taking his daughter to skate park at Tampa, Brian Schaefer's place. And she's loving it and she's shredding. It's awesome, awesome to see. So it's so good. Where can people find your stuff? Where can people find you online? Like, how can I promote you? Um, you know, the, the best place to get the, the book is, um, Thank you, Skateboarding's Amazon. Any of the books, really, they're available. Thank you, Skateboarding's available. Any like online bookseller, if you have a preference, you know, Amazon just kind of like the agreements with them or work out the best, honestly. Sure. Um, anywhere at social media, Ricky Roberts with a Y, the third. Um, I know you put yeah, a lot of your skate videos yeah, put on some Facebook. Yeah, skate clips on Instagram and stuff channel? too. No, no, okay. I, I do. Like, I don't. I'm not active. I just do like a yearly like 42 for 42 tricks like uh, there's some old stuff on there um but yeah and then uh so anywhere uh social media ricky roberts third ricky with a y and um yeah just in that what you were saying uh, and i know we're wrapping up but the skateboarding and making the the time for it you know you're you're talking about that i just encourage anyone if they're older and they used to skate and you're like i don't have a lot of time for it even if you make one day where you're like this is my day to go skate for a few hours go to one of the parks in the morning you're going to meet people that are going to be supportive and cool and encourage you forget about what you used to be able to do or where, where you once were in your prime just gauge your progression off of where you start if you can only like ride across the park 
start there, drop in on a quarter pipe eventually, whatever, kick, start slow, just get that feeling of the board rolling under you. And um, I just, I, it can do nothing but good. I can't thank you enough for making the drive over here today. I've been loving everything that you're doing online. I really enjoyed your book. I think you're just an amazing, positive person. And I think it's uh, pretty cool what you're doing for other people. So thank you so much for your time and thank you for coming over. Awesome, man. Thanks so All much right. for having me. All right. Take Appreciate care. it.